Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is November 9th, 2020. There was a time, long before GPS or the need to select the accent of the artificial being that would bark driving directions at you, when people consulted roadmaps. On trips abroad, my wife Sari, who's more gifted with fast reflexes than geography, would take the steering wheel, while I would unfold an oversized map on my lap, crinkling and tearing at the seams. However, as we buzzed along the road, no matter how urgently Sari would request information, there was always one unavoidable step in providing directions, namely to first figure out where the heck we were. For investors, after a tumultuous week near the end of a very difficult year, it's important to make a similar assessment before mapping the road ahead for investment strategy. So here in brief is a summary of where I think things stand. First, after an excruciatingly long election campaign intense count, Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. Democrats have also retained control of the House of Representatives, although with a reduced majority. Control of the Senate, however, is another matter, and the Democrats' chances of getting to 50 seats, including two independents who reliably caucus with the Democrats, rest on two runoff elections in Georgia on January 5th. These elections do matter for the direction of policy. If Democrats fail to gain both seats, then all legislation will depend on agreement with a Republican-controlled Senate. If Republicans do retain control of the Senate, then fiscal stimulus will likely be less significant than it would have been under a blue wave, in which Democrats won the presidency, House and Senate. Congress could still pass a skinny coronavirus relief bill in the next few weeks, providing some relief to laid-off workers and shuttered businesses, as well as more money for medical costs and combating the worsening pandemic. This could be followed by a second bill, early in 2021. However, at this stage, extra aid to state and local governments looks likely to be less significant than it would have been under a blue wave. That being said, the Congressional Budget Office predicts a deficit of $1.8 trillion this fiscal year, even without new legislation. And further coronavirus relief, combined with a long-awaited infrastructure bill, could easily boost this year's budget deficit to $2.5 trillion or more. In the week ahead, attention is likely to refocus on the pandemic, which is sadly getting worse. The seven-day moving average of confirmed cases has now topped 110,000 and seems likely to rise further in the weeks ahead as colder weather and social distancing fatigue gives the virus an advantage. As daily fatalities once again rise above 1,000 and extreme stress at hospitals is widely covered in the media, a combination of private decisions and government action will likely stall any recovery in the travel, entertainment, leisure, restaurant and -and bricks-and-mortar retailing industries. Over the spring and summer of next year, a combination of more uniform and disciplined communication of health protocols and the distribution of a vaccine could finally end the pandemic. However, until then, it will continue to exact a grim toll in terms of mortality, as well as negatively impacting both the quality of our lives and the pace of economic activity. While real GDP grew 33.1% annualised in the third quarter, percentages can be misleading. A clear description starts by noting that real GDP was $19.3 trillion in the fourth quarter of 2019 and fell by $2 trillion by the second quarter of 2020. It has now rebounded by $1.3 trillion, but will need to grow by another $700 billion just to get back to its old peak. Moreover, momentum is now waning due to the resurgent pandemic and a recent lack of fiscal stimulus. 
Overall, we expect real GDP to grow at a roughly 3% annualized pace over the next three quarters before re-accelerating to hit a new all-time high in the fourth quarter of 2021. We're also seeing a V-interrupted rebound in employment. We have recovered 12.1 million jobs of the 22.2 million lost between February and April, and the unemployment rate has fallen faster than we anticipated to 6.9%, perhaps reflecting a scramble among low-wage workers to find any job after the expiration of enhanced unemployment benefits. However, job growth is fading somewhat, with only 638,000 jobs added in October, its smallest gain in the last six months. Overall, given the difficulty in re-employing workers in the industries most impacted by the pandemic and continued state and local government layoffs, we don't expect payroll employment to regain all of its pandemic losses until sometime in 2022. And we don't expect the unemployment rate to reach the Fed's long-run expectation of 4.1% until 2023, at the earliest. On a brighter note, the corporate profit rebound is looking strong, with the S&P 500 operating earnings on track to be down just 11% year-over-year year in the third quarter, compared to minus 49% in the first quarter and minus 33% in the second. Although President-elect Biden included a corporate tax increase in his election platform, a closely divided Senate or a Republican majority in the Senate makes this less likely. In addition, a more predictable trade policy under a Biden administration could well lead to a lower U.S. dollar, just as the trade war initiated by the Trump administration pushed the dollar higher. These trends, in combination with the economic recovery, could well push operating earnings close to a new all-time high in 2021, and higher still in 2022. Inflation remains tame, with the personal consumption inflation climbing 1.4% year-over-year in September, well below the Fed's 2% average target. While this will likely rise to 2% by next April, reflecting some very easy comparisons, less aggressive fiscal stimulus should mitigate the risk of accelerating inflation in late 2021 and into 2022. For monetary policy, the election of Joe Biden likely means the reappointment of Jay Powell as Fed chairman and a maintenance of the federal funds rate in a range of 0 to 25 basis points, at least until the economy begins to approach full employment in 2023. However, the Fed may well taper Treasury bond purchases later in 2021 once the pandemic eases. It should finally be recognized that valuations in both the bond market and the equity market are high. The nominal yield on 10-year treasuries today stands at 0.88%, still roughly half a percent lower than the year-over-year inflation rate. Meanwhile, with last week's stock market rally more than erasing the prior week's decline, the 4 PE ratio in the S&P 500 has climbed to 21.2 times, significantly higher than its 25-year average of 16.5 times. For investors, the landscape is one of gradually falling uncertainty, but lofty valuations among the most popular investments of the past few years. As uncertainty continues to fall, financial flows may turn towards some less expensive alternatives. In particular, as we show on page 10 of our Guide to the Markets, value stocks now carry lower valuations relative to growth stocks than at any time since the collapse of the tech bubble at the start of this century. In addition, as we show on page 56 of the same book, both EM stocks and developed country stocks outside the United States look much cheaper than the S&P 500 based on historical averages. As the political fog clears, and investors map out a path for 2021 and beyond, it's worth paying special attention to these valuation differences. While diversification continues to be a key, given remaining uncertainties, history suggests that one of the most important determinants of superior returns in the long run is relatively attractive valuations at the start. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in next week, and if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment 
and are subject to change without notice. These views described may not be suitable for all investors. References to asset classes and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended to be and should not be interpreted as recommendations. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. This is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should seek individualized advice from personal, financial, legal, tax, and other professional advisors that take into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the marketing name for the investment management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.